a dark phase of the war. This was not a stone age scenario, nor was it anything like a sophisticated warrior community whose remains have been excavated around 70 kilometers near Delhi in a place called Sinauli recently, where they found remains of a chariot, the earliest in the world to be discovered, and a culture that was Vedic. But the Mahabharata seems to have happened in much older times, and there is a whole body of evidence that is emerging to indicate that it happened somewhere around 5016 BC. And the advances of that time were even greater than what we find in the excavations of places like Sinoli and Harappa. It is said that the bows that these warriors used of the Mahabharata time were typically six feet tall. These warriors were no ordinary men. Their training was such that they could shoot tens of arrows in a minute. Arjuna had certain awe-inspiring achievements. He was called Savyasachi, one who was equally dexterous with both his hands. It is said he could wield a bow in each of his hands and often used two bows at the same time, drawing from two quivers of arrows on each shoulder. He could find his target in the dark by just using sound, and he had conquered sleep. This earned him the title Kudakesha, and such was his energy, he could fight for days without a pause. So it was this great warrior who went so weak, such was the impact of committing a crime against your own wisdom, because it is your own mind that you disturb and its effects will have to be felt by none other than you. The Yogi Sri Krishna was able to rouse Arjuna and Arjuna regained his composure and the war began. What did Sri Krishna, his guru, do to inspire him, motivate him, rouse him? We will see in our analysis. But first, let's catch some action where we get to see Arjuna revisit his fall moment with Ikalavya in a do-or-die battle. The Mahabharata war was waged over an 18-day period, at the end of which, it is said, the destruction was so complete that of the hundreds of thousands of warriors who participated, the men left standing could be counted with your fingers. Each day created hundreds of heroes and thousands of martyrs. But of all days, it is said that the 13th day was the most heart-rending and the 14th the most bloody as well as the most pivotal. It was the day Arjuna had to bury his past. When the conch shells were sounded at the outset of the war, the leader of the Kaurava camp, Duryodhana, due to whose ambitions the entire war happened, felt that he could defeat the Pandava easily, as he had an army that was many times bigger 
He had the greatest warriors. He had the top generals. He even had their infallible teacher, Dronacharya, on his side. Man to man, warrior to warrior, weapon to weapon, army to army, strategy to strategy, ally to ally, he enjoyed absolute superiority. Day one saw the Kaurava inflict heavy losses on the Pandava. The Kaurava were the ones who mocked at their cousins for constantly suing for peace. They felt they had a greater appetite for a fight, for blood and gore. But by day 12, the Kaurava weren't so sure anymore. It was getting far too messy and brutal even for them. And victory didn't seem so sure anymore. Duryodhana walks over to the camp of their teacher Dronacharya and says, Revered Acharya, Arjuna is unstoppable. It seems like he will single-handedly finish our entire army. Please do something. Dronacharya had never lost a battle to a human being. Besides, he was their teacher. He knew how to checkmate even Arjuna. He had taught a formation called the revolving disc, Chakraview, that could decimate the opposition. It was a formidable formation of an inward-going spiral with only one opening into each of the seven concentric discs. And there was only one way it could be broken into and only one way to break out of it. Only he and Sri Krishna knew this formation. And he had only taught it to Arjuna, his blue-eyed boy. So he devised a way to keep Arjuna and Sri Krishna occupied by allocating an entire division to lay a siege on them. And in the meanwhile, the revolving disc was decimating the Pandava army. It looked like this could be the last day. The leaders of the Pandava camp met on the battlefield quite not knowing what to do. Without the presence of Sri Krishna and Arjuna, they felt helpless. But to their surprise, a 14-year-old boy spoke up. He was Abhimanyu, Arjuna's son. He knew how to break in. He had heard it from Sri Krishna once, unknown to him. But he had missed hearing how to exit a plan was made. It was risky, but it seemed like the only way. Abhimanyu would lead the charge in and the great Pandava warriors would follow him. And Once they reached its core together, they would decimate the Chakraview from inside. The plans were thwarted by a warrior called Jayadratta, who on this day seemed invincible. Abhimanyu was unstoppable. But Jayadratta, it is said, single-handedly stopped every other Pandava warrior from breaching the formation. But inside the Chakraview, Abhimanyu was causing carnage of a scale even his legendary father would have been proud of. There was no stopping him. And it was now the turn of the Kaurava think tank 
to confer. They decided to break the rules. Because if they stuck to these agreed upon rules of war, Abhimanyu would pretty much finish the war by himself on this very day. So from here, a dark phase of the war begins, where not just the conventions of war were broken, but all regard for humanity was thrown into the winds. Great warriors, many his uncles and cousins, attacked him together like a pack of wolves. They attacked him from the back. They attacked him when he was unarmed. They cut him limb by limb. As the most admired heroes and generals of the Kaurava camp looked wild and unworthy in their conduct, the foot soldiers of the enemy camp wept at the unimaginable tragedy that surrounded the death of such a noble warrior. When Arjuna heard the news, his anger at his own brothers and kinsmen knew no limits. How is it that my little boy of 14 fought the entire Kaurava camp alone? What were you all doing? They said a warrior called Jayadratta had somehow managed to stop them. Arjuna swore that if by the end of the next day he hadn't killed Jayadratta, he would immolate himself in a fire. Calm is the heart of the warrior. Day 14 was therefore all about how to keep Arjuna from reaching Jayadratta so that he could take his own life, which would mean practically that the war was over. Again, Dronacharya worked out the strategy. And this time he arranged the Kaurava army in a formation called the Lotus, even more formidable than the revolving disc. Each petal would be a wall of resistance and at the eye of the Lotus was placed Jayadaratta, surrounded by a whole armoured division of war elephants. Most warriors would have given up just noting the impossibility of breaching this formation. Arjuna was so ferocious and unrelenting that it is said that all that could be seen as his chariot advanced was the popping of heads, like a grass-cutting machine that keeps throwing out the grass as it advances. He was simply mowing through the Kaurava army. And on this day, he had started by smartly avoiding confrontation with his teacher, Drona, as he would have kept him occupied the whole day. He played smart. He used his top weapons. He deployed his skill. Yet, the army was so huge. The formation was so much like a maze. It seemed very difficult. For Arjuna, this was now a do or die. With just four hours left for sunset, when the war would be halted for the day, he seemed far from his target. At this point, Sri Krishna says, Arjuna, the horses are tired and wounded. They are thirsty. 
In the middle of the war zone, on a day where every minute was about life and death, it is said, Arjuna cheerfully consented to it. He got off the chariot and first created a safe zone with a wall of arrows for his horses and their master and also produced water for the horses from the ground. He created an oasis in the battlefield in spite of the grave urgency. As he stood and fought the enemy hordes single-handedly outside the safe zone, it was as if his heart was calm, unruffled, collected, like the space where the horses were being tended to, where his teacher was able to clean, feed, nuzzle and soothe the horses. Arjuna had laid his life at stake, taking up an impossible challenge. He wasn't anymore the man who felt dejected at Ekalavya's kill. He was the one who had wagered his life over this challenge and was prepared to die for it. But in his heart, he was not anymore the tainted. It was as if the blemishes of his past were erased and he had regained the grace of his own wisdom. After four more hours of combat, with just a few minutes to go for sunset, they had reached a point where they could catch a glimpse of the flag of Jadratha's chariot. But they were nowhere close to him. Arjuna did slay Jayadaratta. How that happened is another story for another day. But day 14 was a day of redemption for Arjuna. And in the process of avenging the unjust execution of his son Abhimanyu, he had healed and had transformed from the warrior prince who sought to deny Ekalavya to the one who had embraced his whole being. We come to the end of chapter 3 where we have explored how we commit crimes against our own wisdom. Maybe we cannot help it. And it is an inevitable part of our lives. But for a warrior, the feeling of Pragya Paradha becomes a doorway to healing and to a glimpse into the imperishable. India has had a long history of invasions. Maybe beneath the lure of its jewels and the gold dust of its intellect, people have over the ages sought redemption in this soil. In the concluding chapter 4, we will understand how the wisdom that the Rishi spoke about is at the very heart of our good health and well-being. Let's conclude with a chant of the Gayatri Mantra. And as we chant, let's tune in to the vibrations, to the sound. Om Bhur Bhuvah Swaha 
तत्सवितोर्वरेण्यम भर्गो धीमो यो नचोदयात तत्सवितोर्वरेण्यम भर्गो देवस्यम धियो यो नचोदयात तत्सवितोर्वरेण्यम भर्गो देवस्यम धियो यो नचोदयात Lots of love, Bharat Thakur.